Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you, sometimes feeling alone, sometimes feeling in isolation, sometimes feeling what's going on. But Lord, we know you're going on. We know you're working and you're moving. And we gather today, live streaming in person, Lord, for worship. For a time to actively seek your presence and be reminded of the movement of your presence. Lord, we know you're moving all the time, every day, every second, every minute, every hour. But Lord, we focus on you. We confess our shortcomings and our distractions. So Lord, bring us together. Wherever we are. Physically, spiritually. Bring us, Lord, together as one. Under your throne, under your presence. That this day we don't feel alone, and this day we are given hope once again. Set me aside, Lord. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. What is a difficult situation that you have been facing lately? We've been facing all sorts of situations in these past months we have been going through. Going back to school for some, virtually teaching for others, navigating a job, celebrating a special event in a different way, financial challenges, seeking appropriate health care. I think one of the hardest situations that I have seen people face is when a loved one or a member of the family has to go to the hospital and you can't go with them. You can't be there as they prepare for surgery. You can't be there when they get out of surgery and sometimes cannot be there in their last days. Unprecedented. Does sometimes it seem that all hope is lost? Today's scripture, Ruth finds herself in a foreign land, facing a lost cause. Who will redeem her situation? Who will redeem her But before we jump into chapter 4, let me briefly remind you of where we have been. In Ruth chapter 1, Naomi and Ruth have both lost their husbands. They have been in Moab because of the famine. They're headed back to Bethlehem. And Ruth tells Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. And we see Ruth's commitment. In chapter 2, as they enter Bethlehem, Ruth begins to provide for Ruth and Naomi, and she gleans the fields, and we encounter Boaz's kindness to make sure that can happen. In chapter 3, it's a little deeper the relationship goes for Boaz and for Ruth. What will happen when the grain runs out? What will happen when Naomi's not there? So Boaz agrees to provide long-term security for Ruth and indirectly Naomi. We enter or we hear about the Jewish custom of Levir, the brother-in-law, and of the goal, the provider. And we hear that language of when, when the, the cloth is placed over someone, the cloak, it's the same word as wings. How the wings of Boaz will provide for Ruth, how the wings of God 
will provide for us. So chapter 4, Boaz takes certain action. What actions does Boaz take? And what actions do those actions exemplify for us? So join me. Join me with your Bible if you brought it or the device you've brought online. It's time to get your Bibles. Turn to Ruth chapter 4. Let us turn to God's Word together as we continue this story of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down there, the next of kin, of whom Boaz had spoken, came passing by. So Boaz said, Come over, friend, sit down here. And he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to the next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of my elders, my, of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me, so that I may know, for there is no one prior to you to redeem it. And I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. At this, the next of kin said, I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right, take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, Acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malan, to be my wife, to maintain the, the dead man's inheritance the dead man's name on his inheritance, in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are my witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrath and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week we focused on the word security. I ended the sermon last week with a 
Another word. Do you remember what that word was? Redeemed. Redemption. We talked about what it meant to be redeemed or what redemption was, that it was much more than taking those old S&H green stamp books into the redemption store and turning them in, but was moving from something lesser to something greater to make provision for. Webster defined redeemed as to make a promise to remove the obligation to free, to rescue by paying a price. Is that not what Boaz did? For Ruth, Webster also defines redeemed that it is to atone for or to free from the bondage of sin. Is that not what God has done for each of us? Boaz's actions in today's scripture reminds us of God's actions of what Christ has done for us. Something that you and I will never be able to do for ourselves. So I think we hopefully have an understanding of what redeemed is. But what happens? What happens when one is redeemed? What happens when redemption takes place? That's what I want to focus on today. Redemption restores life. Redemption restores life. Have you restored anything? I think over the past several months, there's been a lot of people that have restored some room in their house or a good part of their house or the garage or the outside or made something look new. The new life that we're talking about today is not in the sense of makeover on the outside, but it's a complete renovation from the inside, beginning with our heart. Boaz restores the lineage of Naomi's husband and sons. When death for Naomi seemed inevitable, redemption brought forth new life. Naomi's family, and now Ruth's family, will remain alive. And sometimes, that's all someone has. That's what God has done for us and will do for us. It reminds me of the 23rd Psalm right there in the middle. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For some, redemption is not just an act of restoration, but it's the actual conception of new life. I read an article about a businessman who was trying to sell a warehouse, a really old warehouse, and they didn't have a picture of it, but it, I picture one of the movies of that tin that's all rusted with the broken windows and it's about to fall down. As a businessman was sharing this with a prospective buyer, he told him that, listen, if you buy the place, I'll fix it up. I'll repair the broken windows. I'll take care of any structural damage. I'll clean out the inside and everything that's there. The prospective buyer looked at the man and said, listen, forget about the repairs. It's not the building I want. It's the site. I'm going to build something new on this site. God's not concerned 
with what's in us. He's not concerned with, with all that trash that perhaps might be going around or God's not concerned for what it is that we can do or might do or already have done. All God wants is us. You hear that? God wants you. God wants us. And he takes what's in us. And he takes that and creates something new. Look at verse 13. If you've got your scripture still open or accessible to it, if you've got your Bible still there online, look at that. Chapter 4, verse, verse, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. What does new life look like? What does the conception of new life look like for you? For some, for you, maybe, does it mean a new beginning? Does it mean following Christ for the first time? Or maybe it means a renewal of the spiritual disciplines in which we seek to spend time with God, to get to know God more, to listen to God, and maybe God get to know us more. Perhaps for you, it's serving in a particular ministry, or you see a need and you want to make something happen. It might mean changing jobs or friends. It might mean renewing old relationships or repairing broken ones. It might mean going to a foreign land or a place that you have never been before. What does new life look like for you? What new life can come out of these five months that we have been through together? New life through God's redemption might just be the spark of hope that you need to address the difficult situation that you named at the beginning of the sermon. Redemption? Redemption for us could be the restoration of old life or it could be the conception of new life. What does it mean to be redeemed? What happens when we are redeemed? It also means a deep desire to reveal the truth. A deep desire to reveal the truth. What's another word for that? Witness. To witness. At the end of our confirmation class on Sunday, confirmation Sunday a few weeks ago, I asked the confirmands a question. Will you support the church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service? You remember the last word? Your witness. It's the question we ask anyone who seeks to join the church. That word's not always been there. I don't know if it's been 10, 15, 20 years ago. At one time it was added, but it's a crucial word. Look back at our scripture today, verses 9 and 10 in chapter 4. When Boaz announces to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife. Today you are my witnesses, Boaz says. But look at verse 11. What do the people say? How did the people respond? 
We are your... You can say it through your mask. Go ahead. Witnesses. You get that online? Can you hear that? We are your witnesses, verse 11, they said. Redemption, when Christ frees us from the bondage of sin, should bring a witness to the truth. We are witnesses not only of each other, but we are witnesses to the redeeming work of God. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. Let me say that again. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. Y'all, this is the greatest fear I think that I have in this time that we have been in, is our faith life, our community life. At the heart of faith is connection and relationships. And it's so hard for us to gather together. And when we gather together, it's even hard to be close together, to spend that intimate time in fellowship and sharing. What's going to happen to our faith life? What's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to the community? The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be a witness to the great and amazing redemptive work of Christ, of God through Christ. And we must intentionally, we must intentionally let the light of Christ shine in us and through us safely in as many ways as we can. For we cannot let the darkness that, that it feels sometimes wants to overcome us. That the light is greater than the darkness and may it be the light of Christ in us, through us, that reflects and keeps that darkness out. And continues to be a witness to the truth and the redemptive work of Christ and God working in our life. Many times we're uncomfortable to witness to our faith. Many times people think it's a lightning bolt experience that perhaps strikes us. And for some it is, but for most people it's not. There's no set pattern. I encourage people to begin with what God is doing in your life. Just share what God is doing in your life. But here's the catch. What's God doing in my life? Where is God working in my life? How is God showing up in my life? We sometimes struggle with answering those questions. And if we do, then I think that's where we begin. With Lord, begin to work in my life or take the scales off the eyes of my life that I may see where you are seeking to work in and through me. What has God been doing in your life? What has God been doing in your life? What has God been doing in your life? The psalmist in Chapter 107 of the Psalms, verse 2, reminds us, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble. Just as many witness to the redeeming act of Boaz to Ruth, and others of God's redemption of Ruth by having a son, so we become witnesses of God's redeeming act in our lives, especially in these times we are in. 
Redemption not only restores old life. Redemption not only is a conception of new life. Redemption not only intensifies the necessity for us to bear witness to the truth. Have you been redeemed? Have you been redeemed? Have you felt the power of Christ and the love of God working in your life and in your heart? If not, ask Christ to begin that work. If so, be a witness to what God is doing in your life. Maybe you find yourself still wandering. Maybe you find yourself like, like you're in some foreign land that you don't know what to do or not sure what next week holds or your long-term security is uncertain. Ask God to lay His cloak of protection and provision over you. And hold on. Hold on to the hope that is to come. Next week we discover what that hope is. You know what it is. You know who it is. And it's through this hope, it's through his lineage that all of humankind has a path to redemption. It's the rest of the story. The story of Ruth's not yet over. It's the rest of the story. Let us prepare to hear and accept it too. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.